Welcome, fellow traveler. You are now listening to the Tent Theology Podcast. Each week, we have a tent talk where we pursue the renewing of the Christian social and political imagination. Steve Bell, thank you for joining us. It's uh, It's been a long time. Like We've been bouncing emails back and forward quite a <laughs> lot to try and get on the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, well, I'm, I'm, thanks. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you've invited me on. I'm glad you're, you know, interested in what I do in, in, in any way, shape, or form. But uh, I've really been following you, especially since last March, and, and it's been really helpful for me to try to situate the situation that we're in and make some sense of it and try to keep some sanity and some hope. <laughs> so you're um, so in Manitoba, I've, right? You're in, yep. Are you in, in Winnipeg, or where are you? I'm in Winnipeg, yeah. So what does lockdown yeah. feel like in uh, Manitoba? Well, I mean, I mean, we have winters here. Like you're familiar with our winters. Yeah, so yeah, we're, of course. We're somewhat used to, you know, in, in a sense, you know, not being able to do whatever we want socially, whatever we want, you know, like that everything takes an effort at a certain season. So it's just a long winter is really what it is, super long winter. But it's getting pretty wearying. But what about you as, a, as an artist, as a singer-songwriter? Like what's this last year of intense... I don't even know what we call what we've just been experiencing in the last 2020. I don't even know what you call yeah. it. Intense yeah. lethargy, intense uh, fear, intense paranoia. It's intense something. Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of things, you know, like, so, I mean, you know, ever since digital media, we've lost all sort of, almost all revenue from, from you know, selling CDs and stuff like that. And the only revenue we really had left was was concerts. And, and then the goodwill of people, if you happen to have a... a um, a scenario where people can donate money. So um, it was like when, when lockdowns first happened in March, my manager Dave and I kind of looked at each other and we said like, what if we can't do a concert till September? Like, how are we going to make it? You know, not realizing we weren't going to be doing a concert for one or two years, you know? Um, and it just felt, it, you know, when we started to realize this could go on for a very long time, you know, there's, there's an inner panic, like just, I need to pay bills. I've got staff, I've got a building. Um, you know, and I've also got, you know, three kids all at various stages of their own sort of developing their careers and, and need help from mom and dad, right? Like, you know, financially and, and stuff like that. And so, I mean, there's, there's a, a real panic that goes into it. For me, um, the other thing is an artist. I mean, I'm a songwriter, you know, and I can do that in isolation. I'm a recording artist, so I can do that somewhat in isolation, but mostly I'm a concerter. And that's, that's what feeds me the, the very, very most. That's the thing that fills my cup, so to speak. So to suddenly not be able to, everything I'm doing now, we had to pivot really fast to go online and try to figure that out. And, yeah. um, you know, and all of a sudden I'm trying to emote or minister to a camera, you know, and it, it's, it's just awful. And, yeah. oh, it's soul destroying and it's awkward and embarrassing. Um, the, the, you know, the other thing about digital formats is that it just shows up every weakness in your voice and right. So it's suddenly it's like, oh, I suck so bad. I've seen you in, in concert or in, in not even concert. I mean, I, I attended one of your pilgrim year events. Right. Conferences, and, and yeah. You're doing these things in like these beautiful old buildings with lovely wooden pews and stained glass windows and acoustically designed yeah, beautiful buildings. beautiful reverb and, and everything it's oh, so, it's like, so oh, forgiving to the human oh, voice yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you if you remember when they they started introducing digital um photography to movies movie stars right. are freaking out because they suddenly weren't as too good looking detail. yeah too much detail and they had to figure that out and they they there's all these apps and things to try to make the digital thing look right. less like like you know dial it down more, yeah, dial it down. Yeah. And that's what digital does to all of us. So there was that, but there's also the, I mean, as, a, as an artist, well, as a, as a, as a, as a concert artist, yeah. um, I mean, the, the, like each concert is a work of art. Do you know what I mean? So I, I come with these tools called songs. I've got 150 of them or 200 of them or whatever, but I don't know what I'm going to sing on any given night. I don't have a set okay. list. Okay. Um, and so I, I sit down, a song comes to me, I tell a bit of a story. Um, at the end of the song, I've already looked at the audience and I've sort of judged some of the response and I think oh, I should go here, I should go there. And so at the end of the concert, I've literally, I've sort of created a, a, an artwork live and it, 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 it needs the other for that to happen. 
and I love it. I love it. And and it's awful when it doesn't work. Like like every once in a while, your instincts are all wrong, and you just don't get them, and they don't get you. And it's just a, it's just a long like hour and a half struggle just to be polite and stay. And um, you, but you do man, your lot of time and collect your paycheck and then yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. And I'm and I'm a professional. I'm good enough that even if I have a bad relational night, I can sing on tune and play guitar, and everybody got their twenty bucks worth. Right. You don't start but crying and to, run out to, the room. No, but for me, the, the joy is the, those deep sort of connections where you, you literally create an event that everybody in that room will remember for the rest of their lives, um, a shared event. <laughs> and yet, my friend, you've produced mm -hmm. Wouldn't You Love to Know, which mm -hmm. out of this year, without any of that audience feedback or concert co coordination, and it's, it's one of your most vital, intense records right that i've heard well it's, well here's the thing here's the other thing is that covid shut us down and the only thing i could do um, yeah. other than you know try to do these lame <laughs> online concerts which i'm getting better at they're 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 not as bad now as they were in you know last march right but what i had for the first time in my solo career is i could sort of stay home and work on an album without having to pack up every 3 days and go to a concert somewhere there was something about COVID that 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 sort of focused our attention, my my producer and my attention in a way that um, I've never had that that luxury before. Yeah. And to sort of stay in a zone. And um, at the time, uh, we just sort of decided, like, you know, let's let's take this musically as far as we can without bringing anybody else in. Right. Either digitally or or humanly. Yeah. Um, and um, and so I ended up pulling up keyboards, playing instruments I haven't played in years. Um, doing stuff that I normally would just hire out to someone else because they're better at it than I am. But what it did was I had to sort of dig deep and, and find those little counter melodies and things that, that, um, that are really who I am. I, th I think musically, it's the most personal album I've ever made. I've never been as, as, as happy with the sonics of an album as I was at this one. And then lyrically, I mean, the, the, uh, in the beginning of the little booklet that I wrote with my that goes with my CD, I, I talk about how like a, a song is like putting on a shirt, like you, you take it out of the dryer and it's got a smell. And uh, but you go sit around a campfire, the shirt is the same, but it doesn't smell the same. It, it takes right. on the ambience, you know, and a song more so now in this particular environment that I've ever noticed before. But all these songs are different songs than the songs that I wrote. OK, because they were all written before COVID, you know, okay. um, every single one of them and yet you'd swear that at least half of them were written after i March thought they were i i thought some no. of these were coming out of a response to what we're watching down in the american nope. south or what we're watching in the world with various nope. rises of crazy politics really well, well that well that yes i mean I, I mean a lot of these are subtly in a response to trumpism and and yeah. you know, for sure but not covid um, no no uh, right like the last yeah. the last no, i didn't think covid i did think Politically, in, political oh, yeah. insanity. That there's a lot of. Oh, for sure. Your your kind of yeah. protest folk music roots are coming through, Steve, which is really fun. <laughs> well, you know what? I've never been a protester. In, I know in, you like, haven't. I've always been a. I've been always almost a little embarrassed about it, you know, because like, who am I, you know? And this machine and, kills fascists. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing, though, too, is that that I've like, typically my my instinct is to is to have empathy for the the one i don't understand that's right um you know and so i've got lots of friends on the on the the conservative right and and i mean just for transparency if i'm going to lean anywhere i'm going to lean left um uh, in most in most scenarios um it just that's just things make sense to me there um but i mean i make most of my living doing concerts among right-wing people, evangelical churches, and a lot down in the South, in, um, in the States, um, but a lot in Alberta um, and Saskatchewan and Manitoba that would be more conservative um, socially and theologically and politically. Um, and, and even though I don't necessarily ag agree with some of the politics, I, I, I do really try hard to, to empathize with the fears that are there and, and try to understand what, the res what are folks responding to Mm. And to try to say things in a way that invite um, maybe a different way of thinking. Like, um, I remember one time I was doing a conference with Brian McLaren. Do you know Brian? I know who he is. Yeah, I don't know. I okay, so, 
so he he was uh, he had just written a book that had everybody wigged out. Everybody was really stressed out about it. <laughs> and um, I did this conference, and and I was just the singer. He was the keynote, and I'm just sort of I'm just sort of getting onto what is it about Brian McLaren that everybody's so stressed about? And I found him quite quite charming. Um, and at the end of the conference, there was a question and answer period, and you could see people lining up to just tear him down. Like that's why they came to the conference. No, people that didn't listen to a word he said, they were there for three days just to get to that Q and A, and they could take him down in the name of the Lord or something. And I remember, you know, and, and I, I knew this tension was building, um, and I was very curious as to how he had handled it. And the first question that came to him was that kind of a question, very confrontational, very angry. Um, and, uh, and I remember he just so quietly said, you know what? He says, let me describe your worldview and tell me if I'm right. And he really did describe for that person where they were coming from. And he's saying, you know, what? with that worldview, like I could, you're a hundred percent right. Like if that's, if, you know, he says, now, if you could take off these glasses and put on another one and you can have those back, right? You, you're, you're welcome to have those back, but can you put on these ones for a minute? And then he described another starting place. And he did it so beautifully and gently and articulately that the person quietly sat down after a while and said, well, yeah. And they, 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 and, and they said they wanted their glasses back, but the anger was gone. Do you know what I mean? And so I, I, I tend to be that, I want to be that guy. You know, like, I, I want to be the guy that says, could we just for a second think differently? And would that soften us towards each other a little bit? And would that help? Um, it's not quite as sexy as, as sort of being the radical, you know, person coming from the other side. And, and I've got those friends, too, and I, I really respect them because they, they help me to think differently. It's so hard to know. People say, how do I respond to this all the time? And like, we don't know. There's no right answer, like, because the, the really fighty, fighty, right on, singer songwriter, angry folks, folk singer kind of people, they don't they just play to their own audience basically anyway. They don't yeah, really well, I convince know. anybody. So what does it, what, what is, where does empathy come in? How do, we, how do we practice empathy with people who we know in our knower are gripped by satanic <laughs> delusions? Like, how do right. you do that? And they think, I guess they would think I am too, but I'm not trying to do lame both sideism here, but how do you have empathy for people that you, you literally think are participating in some of the worst, views or, or lifestyle yeah. you've ever seen what do you do well there, there's two things like i think and i'm i'm just i'm t taking a guess here right but i i think engaging and participating in beauty is really important uh significantly important like i like i like i know for fact that when i when i sing a beautiful song and i sing it beautifully and i sing it with love and as an offering to people in the audience um that they're open to me in a way they weren't 10 minutes earlier, right? There's something yes, about sh right. a shared experience of beauty that, that says, no matter what else we think, that just happened. Right, yeah. Right, and that came out of the mouth of somebody who now I'm disagreeing with. Yeah, but. Right, so, but we, we had that we, together. We know we had that experience. That happened, you know? And it's sort of like even, I mean, even with your spouse, you know, it's like, like I know you're angry at me today, but we made love yesterday <laughs> and it was awesome. Right. And um, and so you, you can always kind of go back to those things that that, um, you know, we share. And I and, and um, I, there's something about me that's that's really appreciated that for a long time. I'm a huge Bruce Coburn fan. And Bruce Coburn has always been sort of thundering, you know, prophet from the desert. And he says, fuck in his songs. And, and yeah. you know, like, he, you know, all those kinds of things. And I remember Kick going the to darkness till it bleeds daylight. Till it blades bleeds Yeah. And he'll, he'll call out people by name, the dirty IMF. And, you know, like he, he just says it. And part of me really respects it. I, 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 I really do. However, I remember going to a concert uh, of his one time. And I noticed, and it really bothered me, that every time he swore yeah. in a song... Or, or if he, if he, if he called somebody out by name, the crowd cheered. Right, right. Right. But every time he sang a, an astonishingly beautiful melody, they didn't. Yeah, right. Or every time there was a chord change that was so brilliant. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm like, I want to jump out of my chair. That was a brilliant beauty move. Yeah. And and but nobody else is. They're just waiting for him to do something at a in my at, at a lower level. 
Yeah, right. Um, and it bothered me. And, and that's so I ended up recording a whole album of, of my favorite Bruce Coburn songs, but I picked all the beauty songs. Not one of them yeah. is a protest, not a direct protest. And, and people, a lot of people thought that I was kind of jamming out, like, why didn't you do Rocket Launcher? Why didn't right. you do? And I said, because this is my protest. I think beauty matters more than that as a starting place. Well, you know, do you know the Brian Zahn book about beauty will change the world? Have you ever come across that? I, 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 I know of the, of the book. I haven't read yeah. it. Yeah. And again, it's just this idea. All right. It's not that we're saying uh, one group doesn't want change and the other group does. We're not saying only angry people care about change. What we're saying is we also want change. We're just looking at how it actually happens. What's actually going to change the world? It's not that the immediate angry person and uh, huh, hands up. I am, I'm, I say fuck, and I'm an angry person. <laughs> but I also know that there's something of the little boy just throwing his toys out of the pram when I do that. Like, I know that, right? Yeah. yeah. And it feels good, and it might even be the right response at that moment, but it's not the right response at all moments. Right. And it's probably, it's probably a response to get over. I mean, I mean, yeah. Okay. So, so, um, you know, after Wednesday, so listeners were, were, uh, we're having this conversation a few days after the, 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 the riot storming on Capitol, Capitol Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sitting there um, the next day and thinking, gosh, I, I bet people are waiting for me to say something on Facebook or, or whatever, denounce yeah. this or align myself with that or whatever it was. And I just, I just, I get, my stomach is like, I don't want to do that. Like, like to me, it's just yeah. like, I, I just don't want to take another pint of gas and throw on this fire. No. And uh, so I posted a song. Um, it's a Psalm, um, Psalm 62, wait alone in stillness on my soul. Um, uh, it talks about the enemies of love, um, uh, but, it, but it is a beautiful song and it's a prayer. And, um, and I got it from both sides. Yeah. Right. Um, my, my, my radical friends thought I jammed out. Yeah. You know, and, um, and my... My uh, my more conservative friends sort of read between the lines <laughs> and thought that I was maybe criticizing the, the right, uh, which I was. And, course, um, yeah. But but I wasn't I wasn't strong enough for either, right? And um, and I don't know. Like my dad's a Baptist, was a Baptist minister, um, came out of conservative culture for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, mm -hmm. But he was a He's a fairly wide open fellow for a lot of good reasons. I mean, life beat him up. I mean, he ended up marrying a woman that spent her whole life in with anxiety disorder and crippling panic attacks and depression. And he had his own issues and stuff. And so he, he, he couldn't just lobby, you know, lob Bible verses at problems and they would go away. Right. Um, uh, but he, he was the guy that said to me, look at, I mean, like imagine um, um, traveling through a valley. Um, and as you're, you're going through the valley, you look up to, to the mountain on the right side and there's people saying we're the ones that know we're the ones that know and you look up on the other side and they're saying they're yelling across no we're the ones we're the ones you know and each one is trying to get you to climb up to their side and he said the most courageous person is the one that's you know keeps walking towards the sun rising it on you know in the in the east um and so and that can look like a cop-out, but something about that did resonate with me as maybe that's my gift to offer in all of this, um, is to stay a bit more centrist and, and try to hear. My response to your question was one of it, I think, I think creating moments of shared beauty is really, really vital. I think it is. And then the other is, I'll tell you, I'll just tell you a story. So um, right when, when Trump was elected uh, four years ago, I was horrified and I was horrified at a lot of my dear Christian friends um, that, that seemed to support this. I was just so shocked. Yeah. I just couldn't imagine any world <laughs> where a Christian could, could vote um, in, like, I just, I couldn't imagine it. I wasn't being yeah. an ass. I just, it just, I could not figure out where did that come from? Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I posted quite um, uh, vigorously about that. <laughs> And then I got a private email from a friend uh, down in the States who was so hurt by me. Right. You know, and thought we were friends. And, and how can you say these things? And it's like, oh, gee, you know, and I, and I really, really, really do like her, you know, yeah. and I love her husband and I love her friendship circle. And I've stayed in their homes whenever I've toured down there. And, and I was, I was kind of, oh, what do I do now? And then I, about three months later, I was touring down through there and they asked if I, you know, if we could all go for supper. I had a night off. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah. And so I know there's going to be great food because they're foodies. 
and I knew there was going to be great wine, which is great, except for if, if we drink enough to let the, <laughs> let the guard go down. Yeah, this, this could be. And so I, I went in really tense. Right. And I was not going to bring up the T word. Um, I was going to avoid all that kind of stuff. And so we had a lovely meal. And these, these are people you would adore um, and enjoy being with. And about two hours into the evening, it came up, you know. And I remember saying to them, I said, look, if we're going to start this, it's nine o'clock. Like, are we, are we like, cause if we're going to, if we have to leave at 10, let's not start. <laughs> if, if we're starting into this, we're probably here to four in the morning. Cause I'm not leaving here until we leave as friends, you know, cause this is going to get ugly. And, and, and I mean, we all joked about it, but they knew that was potentially true. And, and then I started with the questions, you have to help me understand how you can justify this vote. Cause I just don't, I, 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 you know, and they took like an hour and a half, two hours, and just sort of described what it was that they were responding to. And then they said the same question to me, how can you not, mm -hmm. you know, and they had to hear from my side. And I spent like a long, long time. In the end, nobody, <laughs> we did not convince each other. No. Um, but we ended up hugging each other with tears and right. blessing each other. And, and, um, and we've remained friends. And, and we can have conversations now because um, we kind of got through that. And so it was, it was really hard work is really what it was. Yeah. Um, and, and to remain friends, we, have, we had to just sort of decide that we, we weren't going to be able to convince each other. That was not going to be the goal. Mm -hmm. But the goal had to be somehow help me, like the question always has to be help me understand. Um, mm. and, and please ask me the same for you. Please let me tell you where I'm coming from. So those are the two things that I would, I, beauty, shared moments, I create them, mm -hmm. um, undeniable experiences that we, we all, you know, and then, then the, just the hard work of hearing each other. Um, so how did you get to this place? So you said you grew up in, in a, a kind of a, your social and political imagination would have been conservative Baptist, yep. Western Canadian. Yep, Alberta. Uh, Alberta, oh, where were you in Alberta? Drumheller, Alberta. You're a Drumheller guy. I forgot. Yeah. That. Yeah. Okay. Well, so. see, but here's 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 what. So how do you get so, from Drumheller, Baptist, conservative, to <laughs> to where you are now? Well, okay. So so you know, my dad is a preacher. Um, th this is a classic Baptist minister's family. My mother played piano. <laughs> you know, dad preached, mom played piano. Right. They taught us to sing when we were kids. We had a family traveling gospel band. Um, we sang quaint songs um, and we recorded yeah. albums and we had matching outfits. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we, we traveled around and dad would preach on a Sunday night and we would sing and I people know, would have experiences. Type, yeah. That whole world. Now, yeah, it right. wasn't it wasn't an evangelistic outreach. It like dad was never that he wasn't, I, I don't think he would have called himself an evangelist in the classic Alberta conservative you just Baptist sense. Gospel entertainment were you? Yeah, it was kind of gospel entertainment. Dad, dad, I mean, dad always had, um, he, he was a great preacher and his preaching was always narrative based. He, he, he loved to dress up like Jeremiah and tell stories. Like he was that guy. He'd come out with a cane and, you know, uh, you know, a, 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 a fake smock. I was always embarrassed by it, but he was actually pretty good at it. Um, but um, what happened was uh, when I was eight years old or nine years old, my, my mother had a massive nervous breakdown. Okay. Massive. Like, like one day she was good and the next day she was in a mental institution getting shock therapy and I never saw her for six months. And, and the mom that, um, that came back after six months wasn't the mom that I knew. I'd literally lost my mother. Um, I've come to love my new mom, <laughs> but my old mother died. I never saw her again. A different person came back. And, and that just threw, um, and I remember, but we're Christians, we're, we're answer people, we're not question people. Um, you know, this happens to people, others, not us. I mean, I remember that was my thought as a kid, where's God in this? And my, my father was just really, like, he was really wise to the whole thing. He just, he wasn't scandalized by my mom's illness. Um, it just, that just like, we're, this is fallen humanity. Why would we expect anything else? And how do we, how do we love each other? Okay. The church had a huge problem with it. Like, you know, a Baptist minister's wife should not have, you know, mental illness. Um, There's just no catcher's mitch for that. And so there was a lot of people tried, I mean, people snuck into her, the hospital and tried to exercise her. Like, like, like it was awful. 
And there was a lot of backlash, um, accusations that this was a, an issue of lack of faith. Um, I remember um, it being in the back of church on a Sunday and uh, a woman uh, walked past me with her friend and, and she, she was talking about my mother, about that woman, right? And then she patted my head as she went by, went by and said, poor boy, you know, and I'm kind of going, but that's my mom, <laughs> you know? And so we were, it was, a, it was a terrible situation. What happened though, is that the government built a new federal prison and they were literally open their doors, opening the doors. And they asked my dad if he would become the first chaplain. So he, he, he took the job, he was burned out, he was fried. We were all beaten up and fried. And, and it was just sort of, I'll do this for a little while until I sort of readjust. And um, we, uh, he started his prison ministry. Well, we went into church with him uh, every Sunday morning. That became our church. And whereas the, the, the church that, that we left had no catcher's mitt for our broken family, the inmates sure did. They had a huge catcher's mitt. And so, I mean, you can say this in a cute way. So like their, their whole approach was, well, we're your people. Like, you know, we're messed up. You're messed up. Let's hang. You know, like we're, we are your people. And there was a fellowship. There was, um, there was a welcome there. There was a safe place to be a broken human being. And for my yeah. mom, they just did not need my mom to be well, to be part of their club. And I remember it so clearly, you know, um, it, and so that was huge. And then the other piece of that was a lot of them were, a lot of them were, I mean, if you know Canadian um, sort of uh, demographics and stuff, a lot of them were First Nations people. And there's a super, super inordinate amount of people, demographically, uh, demographically in, uh, of Indigenous people in prison compared to, say, white guys like me. Um, and as a little boy, and this is, I think this is the first sort of opening of my say, political imagination. And by political, I don't necessarily mean partisan politics. I just, um, yeah, wider than that. But, we're used to that here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. And I've, I've, I'm, I'm getting better language listening to you, you people. And, um, uh, but I remember saying to my dad one day, and this, I'd be maybe nine or 10, because the inmates um, became my guitar teachers. I learned to play guitar in Drumheller Prison. They these were, uh, and they became my friends. Um, and these are the people that were nice to my mom. Like I had a deep affection for them. Yeah. And um, I remember saying to dad once, I said, dad, is there something wrong with Indians? Yeah. Why are there so many natives? In yeah. Indians? Yes. And he, and, he, and, and he looked at me and he, and he said, why in the world would you ask that question? And I said this, I didn't have the language of dem demographics and stuff, but I just said there, basically in my own way, there's, there seems to be an inordinate amount of indigenous people in prison yeah and why is that is there something wrong with them and i remember my dad he just he just looked at me and said he said steve that's a really good question and yeah. you need to ask that kind of question for the rest of your life and that was his answer yeah yeah um he he didn't I mean, he didn't take a 10 year old boy through well we didn't even know the history at that time so i i think that was sort of an opening to me you know what's your connection to indigenous canadian uh, matters now do you still have a connection oh yeah oh yeah uh well i mean my sister's married to an indigenous man so I've got, oh, okay you know my brother-in-law nieces and nephews um i've 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 been quite politically active on on certain yeah. certain issues um uh native justice issues in in canada um i have a lot of indigenous friends um and a lot of indigenous um christian and and theologian friends who are you know who are reading the gospels from the periphery um, uh, of empire and um, and and uh, so Nate's I don't know if you know that, that organization North American Institute for Indigenous Theological Studies so there's there's a whole group of people um, that are that are trying to do theological work from that view that standpoint um, so I mean, I'm just sort of connected that way you know so. Uh, and also, I live in Winnipeg. I mean, it, there's just a lot of Native people here, so, you yeah. know. And so, if if you're going to have you know more than you know three or four friends, chances are one of them is going to be Indigenous, unless you're trying really hard not to have one. <laughs> and then, as you travel, though, as a musician, and you're on, do you um, like how do you hold yourself as a as a white man moving you through lots of uh, contested territory or territory that's been taken? Like, how do you how do you deal with that when we? talk in churches or speak in buildings that we know are on well stolen well part of it is is just at least tell the truth acknowledge it right right you, you know and so i mean 
even before um, Trumpism and and even before you know getting on the the Stephen Backhouse wagon and, and getting some new language and stuff, I mean a, a lot of uh, even uh, all along I've been quite careful to to say to my audiences like we we have to tell the truth we have to tell it a more truthful narrative that our country was not built on on Christian principles it was built yeah. on anti-Christian principles exactly. yeah. um, and you know I mean and for us in particular is displacement um, the states also have slavery um, the the initial wealth building of this nation came from a, a wickedness that if you can remove yourself um, from your complicity and look at it it's pretty shocking and I'm careful not to say, therefore, we should all go and sell our homes and, and you know, like, like not to be too radical of what we should do about it. Why not? Because um, so many people have, well, people haven't even considered the, the, the idea. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, so you have in the States, we're seeing this right now, like what's just absolutely shocking to me, but not so shocking is, you know, interviewing, you know, people that were part of that protest last week, you know, and like, like people have taken away our Christian nation from us. That's, that's their narrative, you know? And, and they, since they, that's said with utmost sincerity, you know, and they're shocked. Like, you know, how can this be? And we just need to take back what's ours. Um, and no capacity for considering the, the, the narrative that, that, that's behind that statement to begin with. That, that attitude itself is deeply unchristian. That's why I often say, like, it could be, it could be 100%. Those, those people could be 100% correct in all of their historical analysis of the way North America was founded. And it would yeah. still be the least Christian movement known to yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, Jesus quite clearly did, yeah. not, did not say, go make a Christian nation. Exactly. That, exactly. that, that's just not, you'll not find that anywhere. So um, I'm more, I, I, I'm becoming more interested, like rather than just the, rather than just the angry person shouting swear words, because yeah. that's all I want to do sometimes. But yeah, I agree. Because yeah. it's really bad. Like, see, yeah. what I often don't like is the Christian attitude of, uh, oh, well, we should just be silent. We're supposed to be peacemakers. Everyone means mm -hmm. well. And then that's just silent acquiescence with evil. Yeah. So I do want to look it in the face and say, that's really evil. Like, it's un uncourageably bad. It's wicked. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And now what? <laughs> now what do we yeah. do how do we yeah. hold ourselves in the face of wickedness which like your friends down in the states who have yeah. given you a nice meal yeah. um who you might have affection for and you love you love so there's this kind of idea of like well why not be radical or how how do we why not yeah. you know what it's time to start Selling our homes. <laughs> I don't know. I, well, yeah. I agree that's not oh, going to work either. But no, no. But but you know what? Like Stephen, like like you know, when when I was a younger man, my wife and I were part of those kind of movements. We lived in intentional community in a you know a, a, in a in a downtown area of Winnipeg. Uh, you know, we a lot of us actually sold our homes and moved into the most impoverished area of Winnipeg to start a church there. And we. Uh, it was it was the next thing to common purse. We didn't quite get that far. Um, but we lived very differently. And the idea was to be open to um, the neighborhood and, and the issues and to put our kids in, 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 the, in the same place that those kids were, you know, following mm. John Perkins, you know, relocate and um, that, that whole kind of thing. Yeah. We're very, very motivated and did that yeah. for over a decade. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a longer story about how that fell apart. A lot of it had, had to do with really not understanding how to interpret scriptures and where authority lay, um, right. you know, this was, you know, how do you, how do you run this, this sort of folksy little organization? And of course the, but they always fall apart though. They, they do. do. Always. And I don't think that itself is indication that it was the wrong thing to do. I think that's just an indication that we're trying to make our movements last longer than they should. Either that, or we just need, I mean, let's face it. I mean, all of us have bought into um, um, individualist capitalism as a, as a basic paradigm. So if you're going to try to do community in that, it's going to break down. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so if we don't understand our humanity fundamentally, fundamentally from a different place, it's not sustainable. You might do some good things along the way. And I think we did. I'm not sure we did that. Yeah. I'm, I'm more sorry it doesn't still exist. And I'm still a little baffled why our community fell apart. Well, which is probably because you were the wrong generation. So your generation had none of the tools. You weren't raised yeah. with the Christian imagination. And, it, and 
my point. generation yeah. is not either. Maybe right. Maybe my kids' generation could be right. Yeah. Maybe maybe you the think? children in my life. Maybe if we yeah. start actually acting like. I often run into these church planters who love church planting. And I'm like, I don't know if the world needs another church. I think it just needs the churches right. it has to start acting like it. But yeah, there's yeah, this idea sure. of like uh, forming the Christian mind, which is utterly absent. Uh, and I feel yeah. like that's what's going to start to create some kind of uh, bank to draw from. Like, Because you're trying to build a community yeah. with a bunch of people that that feel something's wrong but they didn't have anything going right. to sustain them because yeah. they didn't, have, they didn't have generations of yeah. of experience and wisdom to draw from yeah yeah for sure and 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 including myself i didn't have the wisdom i didn't have the you oh. know to, to lead through the you know as soon as things get difficult you know things fall apart yeah yeah i know Stephen. it's it's um i mean it, i mean the older i get the more I, I read you know our scriptures and our tradition and um and the more i'm i'm i mean i'm, I'm part of a trend here but I'm, I'm more inclined to think of christianity as a way than a belief you know um and that you have to believe in it to, to sustain the, the discomfort of the way, right? You know, because the way itself is so countercultural. You have to if know you, it's good because you sure as hell aren't going to see much goodness sometimes. No, no. And you're, you're not, not going to accomplish much. You're not going to make money off it. You're not going to have big followers, no. but no. you have to know it's still better than anything you've ever experienced before or that yeah. you know yeah. it's the right way. Yeah. I th And I think part of me, um, you know, I kind of, taking a breath after the last couple of years and, I, and I'm really right now say, okay, I've got social capital because um, I've been a singer all this time. There's, there's a certain group of people that'll, that'll entertain what I say, you know, um, I've got that. I've got some years now. I'm 60. I'm not 20 anymore. Um, my wife and I have a relationship that's pretty stable. <laughs> like, like we're not, we're not sort of worried. Is this, is this going to work <laughs> anymore? You know, like we kind of, we kind of trust each other on that, you know, and so there, there's something in me that really sort of feels like, gosh, this is, I, I think I may be coming to a time in my life where it, it's, it's, it's radical decision time. Like, how, how do I want to spend the next 15 years? Because I've got less and less to lose, which makes me freer and freer, you know, is, um, and, then the, and then what's keeping me back. Um, and what usually, I mean, I'll speak for myself, it's just fear. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's, I know what I believe. <laughs> Um, I, I kind of know what I need to do in some ways. Why am I not doing it? And I think a lot of it is fear. I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of pain. I'm afraid of suffering. I'm, um, you know, I, 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 I tend to think if we were really truly to live in a way um, that, that uh, mirrors the way of Christ, we pay dearly for it. Right. Like dearly. It's not that you'd sell less records. Like you might not, you might not live <laughs> and it might be an unpleasant ending <laughs> yeah. to know, you know what I mean? Like you might not get to sort of, you know, die quietly and just sleep at 85. And so I'm overstating, but not really. No, I don't think really. I don't think that's yeah. the way America's going right now. Yeah. I think yeah. it's not that hard at all to envision people's whole livelihoods utterly destroyed because they're trying yeah. to follow the way of Jesus inside yeah. the christian I, uh, it already happens many many times yeah and oh I yeah think we might start to see that more yeah for sure yeah <laughs> yeah so I, I i feel i feel like i'm on a threshold myself you know and 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 but why do you do what... it why why is it good like what is good about what is good about jesus then i mean I, i'm gonna get way over my head here in terms of um the language but if jesus really is part of this communion called the trinity you know, yeah. and let's let's not worry about the maleness and, and all that kind of stuff. Or three, mm -hmm. why not eight? And like I, you know, but like those those things can can another conference. But just that the this general concept that that the Godhead is a, is a communion which the persons each, in a sense, um, constitute the other, right? So you know, you you can't really be a father without a child, and you can't really be a child without a father. Like, and so the the most important things in those relationships depend on the other even to be true right and so if it's also true that we've been created in the image of god and some of that is kind of how we function too i remember this is just about a year and a half ago it just it hit me so hard but when my dad died um uh, a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago and you have you know and i'm thinking okay how am i gonna go 
what's that going to be like for me? You know, and it was a, it was a brutal thing watching my dad die because I adore this man more than anybody on the planet. One night I was thinking, I was thinking, okay, if I am allowed to grow old and if I'm allowed to have thoughts in the end, um, what am I going to be thinking about? And then I allowed myself to ask the question, what am I going to be able to say I love the most about Steve Bell? You know, like what, what do I, what does Steve Bell actually think is awesome about Steve Bell? And everything that came up required someone else for it to be true. You know, I'm, I'm the son of Alf Bell. I love that guy, you know, but I, I, I kind of need him to be that. I'm the son of two amazing grandparents. Um, I'm the husband of this incredible woman named Nancy. I'm the father of these three children. I'm the grandfather. I'm the neighbor of, I'm the friend of. Everything, even in my career, I need fans to have a, like I need listeners. Like everything I love about me requires someone else for it to be true. And, and then, then my job isn't to constitute myself. My job is to constitute you. It's your job to constitute me. Um, and I can't make you do your job. I can only do mine. This gets to inspiring to me. So how, how do I flourish Steve Backhouse, Stephen Backhouse, to be the, 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 the most full, fully orb Stephen Backhouse? Like, what's my role in that? Yeah. Is that friend, neighbor, advisor, whatever, musician, mm -hmm. you know, music provider, entertainer. Um, but when that starts to become your, your motive, it changes everything. This is, this is where I want to, this is what I'm starting to realize I really want to do with my life somehow is just to not serve the church or, or a charity or something, but simply organize Humans make organizations. It's what we do. It's non-optional, right? We just always will. We always will have some kind of relational networks with each other. So I want to make sure that the organizational networks that we make are measured. The success of them is measured not by how well those networks benefit the person at the top, but how we measure the success of organizations based on how well the people inside them are flourishing. So it's not what I get out of it. It's what you get out of it. That's my measurement. So like 10th theology is not measured by how well I do. It's measured by, well, how well does the people who come into contact with me do? And that's not money. That's not money. No, that's not power. No. Well, well, it is power. It is power, though, isn't it? This is the kenosis. Well, this is the making it, space for others. Yes. Lay down your life for your friends. Yeah. Exactly. And even even as a as a as a con a guy that does concerts, I don't know how to describe this to people. Um, like I, I'm an okay guitar player. I'm an okay singer. If you come to my concert, you're going to be entertained. You're going to find something there for you. But yeah. what charges me? is in the middle of a song, I see somebody wake up. Right. Or in the middle, or in the middle of a story, I see a light go on. I see it. I, I see it every night. Uh, this woman, that man, that teenager, you know, all of a sudden you, you see them sit back and, and they, they just got something that you probably didn't even say. <laughs> it, was just the, it was just the environment that opened them to knowing. Yeah. Right. And you were, and I, you were I'm one a, of, you were the puzzle piece falling into place and yeah. they had a whole puzzle ready to go before you showed up. Yeah. And I'll probably get a letter from them two weeks later saying that, that what I said changed their life. And then they'll quote what I said and I didn't say it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I wasn't at that concert. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not sort of saying though, of course, of course I've said some things that have helped some people specifically, but that's really not the dynamic that's happening. And I, and I know that even, even when I'm doing concerts and before, like when I'm tired and it's like, Lord, I do not, I, I, I'm going to die if I have to tell that story one more time or sing that song one more time. And when I catch, because I'm just so tired, you know, um, I've been on the road, blah, blah, blah. Um, but when I have the wherewithal to pray ahead of time, help me invest prodigiously to give away everything that's here, right? Mm -hmm. And if there's, if there's only a half a cup left, help me drain the cup, you know? And, and that is an effort at this point. It's, it's quite easy to pour out the first half. It's not so easy to pour out the second half. And then to, to really think like, and, I, and I've, I've talked about this to friends too. I hope when I die, there's nothing left. I want to die spent, <laughs> you know? And yeah. you hear this rhetoric all the time about, you know, preserve, preserve, preserve. So you have something for later. I, I, I get that, you know, at a certain level. But the other part of me just says, says no, spend, spend, spend. And when you die, I mean, to die a Christian death should really mean that there was nothing left, right? You spent it all. You spent 
all the love that you have, you spent all the wisdom you have, you spent all the whatever it is that there's literally nothing left. What a great way to go. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, and so that could, that energizes me. And that, even in the midst of all, I mean, you know, getting politically active or vocal, I mean, what, what I stresses me out a little bit is I just don't think I'm not smart enough to really be able to understand what's really going on here. So I don't want to sort of stick my opinion out there. You know, that, that's part of the fear too, is that I'm, I'm just not smart enough to understand what's happened to North America. But I, I, I can flourish you with the things that are in my hand. Um, and yeah. so then what does that look like this year in North America? That's a, that's, that's a good question. Like, how do I flourish my audience? How do I flourish my kids? How do I flourish my neighbor, uh, my friends? You know, how do I do that with, with what is actually in my hand? And what does that look like? And trust that the things that are, that are not there are in someone else's hand. And if they're not spending their, their dollars, um, trust ultimately with the coming of the kingdom, this all resolves <laughs> in, in some, you know, long view. Well, because it's, again, it's like we say, you're not, we're not trying, you're not by yourself. You're not supposed to follow the Sermon on the Mount all by your lonesome. We are supposed to follow the Sermon on the Mount. Which means when you're mourning, I mourn with you, right? It means you're not alone. Uh, that, that's what that means. It doesn't mean that you are always seeking out. You're just always mourning all the time. It means when it's your time to mourn, you'll have people who mourn with you. And when it's my time to mourn, then you'll come and mourn. Like that we're doing this for each other, right? And, and it's small. Like I think I, I'd be interested to find out what you think about this, where your, a lot of your success in some ways relies on volume, numbers of people. And yet the connection really only happens in small rooms. Yeah, I'm fairly successful for a Winnipeg-based folky Christian guy. In, in, <laughs> yeah. And the award yeah. for Winnipeg-based yeah. folky yeah. Christian guy goes you know, to... Like, yeah, so I mean, in, <laughs> no. in the sense that like, yeah, I've, I, I have success, that my success is that, I, that I've, I've paid my bills. <laughs> um, we're sort of staying ahead of the bank. I've got a little bit of enough to have some support and help. Um, I have a studio, all that kind of stuff. But in terms of industry numbers, I'm a... After 30 years of pounding the payment, yeah, I, hundreds of concerts every year for 30 years, I still have a, a small group of, of followers. Right. So it's not that big of a success. However, what never having that large success has meant is actually that I spend a lot of time in rooms of 100, 150 people. And right. gosh, some beautiful things can happen there, you know? Well, you know the famous cliche, you know, 175, you know that number? Do you know no. about that number? no. Well, it's the classic, there's a sociologist that will say that this is, this is the best number for, it's about as many human beings as another human can know properly. Oh, okay. Uh, it also was pretty much the number that was setting the English parish. The system was roughly divided around about a hundred people. And the idea oh, is that, that makes that, sense. And you know, the whole, the whole cliche about, do, do you, uh, does anyone have any reason why these two should not be bound in holy matrimony speak now or forever hold your peace? You know, that cliche, right? That yeah. whole thing came from the English parish system because, well, you weren't supposed to marry your brother or your sister or your cousin, and you weren't supposed <sighs> to marry more than once. You weren't supposed to be a bigamist. And so the idea but if, was- But if there's only 175 people in your community- <laughs> You can know. So the whole point is there's nobody getting right. married who there isn't yeah. somebody who knows who they are. And so somebody right. can go, I know you, <laughs> you're already married. But of course that right. system breaks down now because we have parishes that have- tens of thousands of people living in them and yeah. so now it's just a formality yeah. but that all yeah, came yeah. from the idea of like uh small groups actually are good yeah yeah i i, I am a bit of a believer in it i i, I used to i i used to really you know wonder why my career never took off in, in the classic rock and roll sense i'm thinking you know i'm not I'm not terrible looking. <laughs> I I play okay. I can write a decent song. I can sing. This should have happened. It never did. And they, but there 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 did come. And my dad was really helpful for this. Of saying, look, at like you're freer than most people, you know. And and don't take that lightly, you know. And that that freedom itself is a currency, a, a very very powerful currency. And so you need to know that there's in 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 terms of that currency, you've got a lot of you got a lot in the bank. Do you know David Benjamin Blower? Do you know who David Blower is? I don't think so. Uh, he's one of the co-hosts of the Nomad podcast. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, okay, yes. Okay, and he's I also a singer. Uh, yeah. He's a singer-songwriter. Fantastic. Okay. I mean, really brilliant uh, hmm. 
I guess he'd be a folk singer. I, he'd probably hate me that I said that. But he's, <laughs> he's, he also is a, a, a political theologian of some skill. Hmm. And he was writing a bit, I read an essay of his about hierarchy and power. And, he's, and he was saying something very similar to what you're saying. He's like, the people at the top of these power hierarchies are, they might have a lot of money and influence, but they're also the least free. Yes. And it's the people yeah. at the bottom of the power hierarchies. They're f- they're the least committed to having to keep this thing going, lurching forward into history. They're free to do whatever they want. And that's where creativity lies. It's at the bottom of these hierarchies. Well, but also, I mean, also a couple of years ago, the Canadian Music Industry awarded me with a Lifetime Achievement Award. And so um, I go to this, this big ceremony, which was like the, the entire Canadian music sort of industry is there. It was like, I don't know, 80, 80 people, <laughs> you know? And, and there was invite for the public to come for this dinner and this ceremony. But of course, nobody does. We're so inconsequential, you know? And so I'm getting this lovely award, but that was the speech I made. I said, look at nobody's here. There's no press here. Nobody gives a shit what's going on in this room right now. I didn't say that word, but that's, that was the tone of it. <laughs> And, and I said, here's the deal. This makes us really super powerful. And I don't mean powerful in the sort of the worldly sense, but that, and this is, this is right at the beginning of the, of the Trump era, saying there may, the, the, the Lord may need a group of people with nothing to lose in the near future. And that's us. Yes. We, got, we got nothing to lose, you know? Um, and so, and, and that was my encouragement is like, let's keep it that way. <laughs> You know, that, 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 that the fact that nobody cares about us right now in, in those senses might be our, our, our biggest strength. And we may be called upon precisely because of that. Yes. Well, just think how many, how many people's livelihoods right now are uh, leading churches or musicians or worship leaders or singers and writers. And their whole livelihood is completely bound up with keeping happy the nationalist take back America crowd, even if they themselves don't think that, but they have to stay silent. They're stuck. They're yeah, absolutely they're stuck. trapped. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there might be a time to man up and somebody's going to have to eventually break, make a break. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, that, that, that point may come for me too, where, where you just have to like draw a line. I just don't know. Like, I, I honestly, like, like I have so many conversations now with friends saying, what is my role now? Like what, you know, cause I want to help. I don't want to just, I mean, I've, I've got my, my, some of my radical friends who I honestly, I, I don't, res- like they're, they're in love with radicalism um, and it bothers me, you know? Right, um, right. So if there, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's times to side with the oppressed. There's time to lay down your life. There's, there's all those things, right? But until those times comes, is there are other things to do, to woo and to, to romance, <laughs> You know, to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, and I, and I do, and there's something about that too. Music and in, in, in even my style of music, there is a, there is a, a woo, wooingness in the quality of trying, trying to get somebody to kiss me, you know, like, like <laughs> we do this, you know? Uh, and, and so I, 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 I want to try all that out before I decide that, that, you know, that there is no relationship here. <laughs> I love yeah. that, Steve. Steve, before we go, Please, can you tell us now? Uh, I'm going to play at the end of this. I'm going to play one of uh, your songs from your new album. So, please, can you tell us first of all what song should I play? I've got my secret favorite, but what, what, which one would you like me to? Play? Uh, well, I think you should probably do um, "Long Shadows." Long Shadows. Okay. Either that play. or "Strange Blessing." Now, tell us why. What? Tell us a little bit about. Okay. So long shadows. Okay, let me tell you this story, and I'm, I'm assuming you're going to edit out half of what we just said because I'm so long-winded and, and rabbit traily. But okay, I was at a, at a conference um, a, a, a little bit more than a year ago, um, and it was a, a, an American conference of Christian business people. A lot of money. People were paying big, big bucks to be there. Heavy-duty speakers, mm. and, and the, the, the on the keynote of the night, the first night, and I'm just the singer guy. I'm the guy that you know okay. brings the music and leads worship and, and, and all that. And so, and feeling quite out of place. However, <laughs> uh, this, 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 uh, I mean, I, a, a very, very big North American pastor got up and spoke on, you know, three steps or three concepts behind good Christian leadership, whatever, one of those kind of talks. Right. Yeah, right. And it was pretty good. Like he, it was, it was fine. It was, it was, he's a good speaker and he's very casual and all that. At the end, there was sort of a Q and a time and someone said, would you be willing to co- comment on the, the, 
the political divide in North America right now. Okay. And he was a guy that famously doesn't like to speak out about politics. Okay. And so I thought, well, he's not going to say anything. And he leaned back in his chair and he said, yeah, I can say something. And then he said, you know, the sun is setting on a civilization when it's small men start to cast long shadows. Mm-hmm. And I heard what he said there. I, wow. you know, uh, and I'm looking around the room, like he, he, he just said something that nobody in that room wanted to hear. Yeah. Um, and I don't know who, who did hear it. I heard it. Yeah. Um, but that line would not go away. So th- I've got a song in the album called long shadows. All right. Um, and so that's, that's that maybe when you might be interested that's in the it. one that's the one we're <laughs> okay. play. and the album where where can we go to find this album go, go on plug your stuff stevebell.com stevebell.com Steve Bell. everything's there yeah yeah the new album is called um, um wouldn't you love to know um and i know nobody really wants a cd anymore but it comes with a book <laughs> it's a beautiful it's about, book it's it, yeah. it's beautifully designed isn't it yeah and fans of tent theology will see a lot of familiar names if they read that book they'll see a yeah lot they of, will and quote, a lot it, of different good people including yourself there's yeah there uh that book i started at the beginning of covid uh-huh and the day i went away for a week to start writing that book was the day that donald trump blasted through the the peaceful protesters so he could have his photo op yeah um it was that day um, and I remember waking up and hearing this news and I'm at a cabin. I'm in this beautiful, quiet place that I can think deep thoughts and write beautiful things to, to, you know, to edify you. Uh, and, and it destroyed me. I, I thought I was going to throw up all day long. I was so sick. Um, and I, I looked everywhere for someone to sort of help me. And I stumbled on a, on a, a Facebook post by you. Um, a few days after that, um, you know, saying that you were starting this little discussion um, about what was going on. And I tell you, Stephen, I, I, um, it was a lifeline for me for, for several months. <laughs> I, 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 it, it just, it was the language I needed to hear. It was, uh, it was the, the, you know, the, the shared angst and agony was there. Um, but also just that somebody had done some work about this and, and knew how to articulate kind of what's at the core of it i just i yeah so i just i just want to publicly thank you i just really appreciated it well thank you steve i mean this kind of evil didn't just drop out of the sky it didn't right. just show up with donald trump it took generations yep. to make it's going to take yep. generations to purge yeah yeah we need yep. to keep start doing it now <laughs> i do think that they're the answers in embedded in the gospel in the christian yeah, gospel no there's no question i i haven't lost faith in that at no. all in fact no. In fact, maybe I, I may be more of a believer now than I was a year ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, know, I think so. so. Yeah, I think yeah. that's true. Yeah. Well, thank you, Steve, for joining us on the tent. It's just been such a joy to finally get you here. Finally, yeah. finally, at long <laughs> last. You. It's been well Thank worth you. Oh, this is lovely to be here. Thanks, man. To further support the show, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media and learn more about Tenth Theology at www.tenththeology.com. Thank you for joining us and God bless everyone. One can tell that the sun is setting on our fare thee well. When our civilization's betting on its small men casting long shadows. Aspire with the half a billion animals on fire to surmount the consequences of desire behind the earth's sorrows. Those who fall into the pit are finally the ones who dig in.
It's insane that the nations rage and people plot in vain against the Lord's anointed, saying, Let's throw off these shackles. All the while, the one enthroned in heaven casts a smile and terrifies the ones who know their ways are like the Fall into the pit Are finally the ones who dig it 